Hello and welcome to The Crux. I'm your host, Tessa King, and today I'm joined by my lovely sister and co-host, Casey McIntosh. In the spring of 2018, a soccer team in a small Thai village went out on an afternoon outing to explore the local cave system. Little did they know they would not see the light of the day for two weeks. Yeek! Okay, guys, so this is another recent one. I know that I have heard of the story before. It happened only a couple years ago, and I knew just the basics of it, but not any of the small details. So I'm sure you've heard of the story too, Casey. Yeah, I mean, I didn't, I didn't hear a lot of details either. I remember seeing some breaking news clips where they were pulling them out, but I didn't, I didn't get all of the story. So. Whoa, way to ruin it. They got out of the caves. <laughs> well, like you said before, <laughs> in other episodes, um, this is a survival podcast. Oh, oh. Remember that? Well, fine. <laughs> in any case, we're going to talk about the Tom Luang Caves. And I'm sorry if I butchered that. I think that's right, though. So the rough translation of that is the Great Cave of the Sleeping Lady. Hmm. I it, like it. Yeah. The mountain itself is shaped like a reclining woman, and so that's where it got its name. It's very poetic. Yeah. It's the fourth largest Thai cave system, and it lies on the border of Myanmar. Myanmar. <laughs> However you say that. It's a very popular destination. So this cave is very popular for tourism, probably more so now after the fact, but... Tom Luang consists of channels about six miles long. It's freaking big. Wow. It's only safe to explore between November and April because during the rainy season, the caves can fill up to about 16 feet. So of water, of course. No, thank you very much. Do Are there like guided tours of these things? Or is this just a, oh, go in there and hope you come out? I read in an article that they were hoping to make this into a museum. So I don't know what they meant by museum, if they meant something like a guided tour system. It doesn't sound like it. It sounds like people who are spelunkers Mm -hmm. wanting to get out there, people who are experienced being in caves. You'll understand why later, not only because of the short window that it's safe to be in there, monsoon monsoon season starts about july oh mon season mon season (laughs) yeah so once the caves flood it's extremely dangerous even for experienced divers to be in there so at the end of june 2018 members of a local youth football team i was reading the bbc article so it's soccer to us in the u.s but football to them so this team and their coach Akapol Chatawang, they called them Aki, raced on their bicycles up to the forested hills to the cave system. The cave system was a favorite haunt for the boys. They loved exploring them. It's not like they hadn't been there before. They get to the cave, they leave their bikes and belongings, and they only went in with their flashlights because they didn't really think they needed much more. In the past... They had been as far in the cave as about 
eight kilometers or five miles. What they would do is they would go in and they would write their names on the wall. Five miles. They're going in five miles into this thing? That's about as far as they had gone in the past. That's crazy. That's a long distance in a tunnel or yeah. a cave. Yeah, so they explored it, right? They kind of knew what they were doing, what they were getting into. Except remember, I told you that the window for being in there safely is between November and April. And they're there at the end of June with monsoon season, mon season, right around the corner in July. So they're really pushing it by going this late in the season, even though they know the cave system. Of course, when the boys didn't come back home, the parents began to worry, as you do as parents. The trip to the cave had luckily been discussed on a group chat, so the parents were able to figure out where they had gone, that this was planned, and they headed to the cave immediately, where they found the boys' bikes, bags, and soccer slash football shoes. What had happened was that the boys had been taken by surprise by a flash flood. Unfortunately, they had no choice but to scramble deeper into the cave once the water became rushing in. That is really terrifying. But it was a smart thing to do because the cave system is rapidly filling with water and they need to get to higher ground so they don't drown. Well, it's a good thing that they had been in there before and they knew the lay of the land enough to know that. Yes. They found themselves trapped on a small shelf about four kilometers in, which for us, that's about two and a half miles from the entrance. So they're trapped and in the dark, they lose all track of time. The group used rocks to dig about five meters deeper into the shelf to create a cavern so they could huddle together for warmth. Mm -hmm. Their coach was a former monk. He was able to help calm the boys down, and he taught them some breathing techniques to, of course, keep them calm, but also conserve as much air because they're in a limited air supply, right? Yeah. Luckily, they did have a water source for moisture dripping from the cave walls. So in Thailand, all of these caves are primarily rock that is sediment or limestone. With all these heavy rains, the limestone is slowly eaten away because rain is slightly acidic. When rain falls, the water reacts with the carbon dioxide in the atmosphere. Rain is about a pH of 5.6, so it's pretty acidic when neutral is 7.0. The rainwater, like I said, dissolves the limestone a bit, and the water can go through the caves through these cracks. Tessa, you sound like a scientist right now. I, I gotta say, I'm it's my side job, <laughs> <laughs> along with podcasting. Oh, I didn't know that about you. Yeah, I make zero dollars at it, so <laughs> go fund me. <laughs> so this is good, and it's also very bad because they have a water source, but. Their water source is practically what caused them to be in the situation they're in. So is the water coming in, like this cave, is it near any other water source? No, it's basically just because it's rainy season. That's the only reason. Yeah, and it's a limestone cave, so it's like going through the caves. It's porous. It's porous. 
basically this article that I was reading was saying the presence of the cracks in this mountain helped supply their oxygen. Mm-hmm. But the cracks in the limestone are what caused the cave to flood. And then as a side note, water percolates through the cracks much faster than air. So the oxygen levels could not be replenished fast enough to counterbalance the team's use of the oxygen. Yeah. So it's there, but it's very limited. It's not diffusing. Their CO2 isn't diffusing out fast enough. Yeah. So it's survivable, but not forever. Yeah. Meanwhile, outside the cave, the elite Thai Navy SEALs, the National Police, and other rescue teams were alerted to what was going on. No one knew at this point whether or not the boys were alive. I can't imagine being a parent and just wondering. Just having to sit with that for two weeks would be really challenging. Well, yes, but it wasn't two weeks of not knowing if they were alive or dead. So yeah, there's that. Yeah. The problem with having the Navy divers come in is that even though they were experienced divers, they didn't have experience diving in caves. Yeah. I mean, how many people do? Like, I'm sure there's a small handful. They did get some people who were experienced cavers, spelunkers, whatever Mm -hmm. you want to call them. But it became abundantly clear that they couldn't get through the cave because most of it's flooded. So they go through and they realize that some of this water is up to their neck and in other chambers, it's completely flooded from top to bottom. Wow. Engineers tried pumping water out of the cave and this was a struggle because the heavy rains were persisting. So it's like bailing water out of a boat with a hole in the bottom of it. Yeah, it's not very effective. Exactly. Another thing that they tried was drilling into the mountainside itself. So trying to find a crack Mm -hmm. that gets to where the boys are. And then they talked about maybe using something like a drone to use heat sensing to figure out where these boys are. The problem with this cave is it's not like an in-and-out venture. It's like a labyrinth. There are lots of different places to go. Yeah, so isolating exactly where they are and then being able to dig or drill and bore a hole into the rock to that spot is almost impossible. Right, and even walking in and out, that's not it's not an out-and-back venture. So even diving, you're trying to figure out where these boys and their coach are. The story started to gather national attention. Volunteers flew in from other parts of Thailand, but also international rescuers joined the force by June 28th. So that's five days after these boys are trapped in the caves. So nobody has been into this cave at this point? No. I mean, besides just getting in there and figuring out that they can't just walk in and out. (laughs) They're trying to problem solve and figure out the best way to get to these boys. So once again, is it by going through the caves? Is it by drilling through the mountain? Or is it through using these pumps to get the water out? So at day five, no one has made actual contact with these people. Right. Okay. U.S. Air Force rescue specialists and cave divers from the U.K., Belgium, Australia, Scandinavia, and others show up. There are many areas to explore in the caves for these divers. Here's something, just an excerpt from the New York Times. The Tom Luong Cave is a rare place where a person can become completely isolated. There is no GPS, no Wi-Fi, no cell phone service. 
The last known survey was conducted in the 1980s by a French caving society, but many of its deepest recesses remain unmapped. Spelunkers consider the cave one of the most challenging in the world. Because of the heavy rain, the force of the water was also very strong in the caves. One diver recalled the force of the water tearing off his mask when he failed to position himself directly in the current. It's weird to think of current inside of a cave. Right. He said it was like walking into a strong waterfall and feeling the water rushing at you. It was a horizontal climb against the water with every move. That had to feel really hopeless. Yes. On July 2nd, two British divers were braving some of the narrower narrower chambers of the cave. What they had been doing was setting out guide ropes and searching for signs of life for several days. So they have guide ropes. They're trying to (laughs) figure out where they've been and where they're going. That's how intense this place is. Were they going in and out or staying in the cave overnight? Probably didn't in and out. Also, oxygen. So that probably complicates things. Yeah. We'll mention later in the story that they're replenishing oxygen and doing it like halfway through the cave. One of the men who was there, John Philanthon, said, wherever there's airspace, we surface, we shout, we smell. He said on July 2nd, we smelt the children before we saw or heard them. I wonder if that's like, they smelled terrible. <laughs> what do they smell like? I, I mean, don't know. It's I, an interesting quote, though. Yeah. I mean, I know what my kids smell like, but <laughs> <laughs> I don't find them by their smell. It's Maybe in a dark cave. They're usually just so loud that you don't have to smell for them. Yeah. And, and that's standard procedure, actually. Maybe it's because it's so dark, even with their flashlights, that they're only seen so far into the cave. And so when they surface in this air pocket, they might be beyond the reach of their flashlight. Maybe your sense of smell is really heightened when you can't see anything. And maybe in the wet, dank cave. <laughs> I'm sure they smell really lovely. <laughs> They're boys. Yeah. Preteens, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> so the light from John's flashlight illuminated the group as they emerged from the darkness. They came down from their spot towards John. And John asks, how many of you? Thirteen, came the reply in English. And he was just amazed that they're all alive. This diver, John, had a camera on his gear, and so he was able to go back and release this footage to all these people, the parents, and the world, who were wondering (laughs) what's happening to these boys in the cave. And what day is this, did you say? So this was July 2nd when they were discovered. They went to the cave's on the 23rd of June. So it's been nine days. Mm-hmm. So the two divers spent some time with the boys and promised to return later with food. The boys had appeared thin, but otherwise they were unharmed. The boys were able to get letters out to their families and let them know that they were okay. The divers also brought back the boys' letters from their family. They were not upset with the coach, but thankful that he was able to keep the children alive and safe. It had been nine days in darkness. They longed for real food, but the divers brought them a diet of medicated liquid food, essentially mineral water with added vitamins. This was directed by a doctor, probably after going so long without food. Yeah. 
they wouldn't be able to handle it. Is that what you think? Yeah, probably. And you don't want to be getting sick at that point. And, but how miserable would that be? You're like, you can send me anything. I mean, <laughs> you could send me a Snickers bar or something at least. Oh, they were definitely give the, uh, they were definitely giving them recommendations of what they wanted, but they were not delivered upon. You know who wouldn't have tolerated that very well would be Ricky McGee. Ricky McGee. <laughs> He's like, "Where's my rum and coke? Um, where's <laughs> my steak?" Uh, yeah. So they still have this big problem of like, how do we get these boys out of the cave system? It's the same problem. They're like, do we dive? Do we drill? Or do we pump? Because a lot of the boys were unable to swim. And a lot of the sections of the cave were flooded. And they were four kilometers in. It was a risk because the divers were in danger of getting that far into the cave, let alone inexperienced swimmers. Yeah. So as they're trying to figure this out, a makeshift camp is going up outside of the town, which is Maysay, and it's bringing this rural town international attention where they have volunteers, rescuers, and hundreds of journalists all around. It's crazy. What's the weather doing at this point? Is it still raining? It's definitely rainy season, yeah. On July 6th, a Navy SEAL diver, Saman Ganon, was running a routine operation to deliver air tanks to the boys. So basically because they're worried about the air mm-hmm. and in the caves, they're supplying them with oxygen. But this Navy SEAL diver lost consciousness after running out of air himself, and they couldn't revive him. Oh, that's terrible. Yeah. He was only 38. And just to reiterate, everyone knew how dangerous this was. But these just yeah, these were people. Yeah, these were people who knew what they were doing. They were experienced. They weren't just like some volunteers. And Saman was fit and healthy. He was known for doing triathlons in Thailand. And one of the boys' parents, one of the boys in the cave, made a statement at this point saying. The Navy SEAL had practiced for so long and was so strong, but also died. How about a boy who has never dived before? Doesn't improve your odds. Yeah, and as a parent. Or your confidence. You're just worried sick. And oxygen levels are getting lower and lower in this cave. The oxygen levels were about 15%, and normally they're about 21%. At the point where the body becomes affected, around 15%, you're first affected with increased breathing and heart rate. But once you dip down even to 14%, you're losing coordination and you can hardly breathe. Okay, so we've talked about this pretty extensively. Three ways of extracting the boys. One, the divers go in and they dive with the boys. Two, they're pumping the water from the caves, but they said that that technique could take up to four months, so not really ideal. Well, yeah, it's not going to be feasible. Right, especially with monsoon season just starting in July, as we're already in July. (laughs) And number three is finding slash drilling alternative passages into the cave. 
even um, Elon Musk was involved and he proposed a kid sized submarine. Hmm. But the idea was tossed out. <laughs> it was but, creative. We'll yeah, give him points for that. Totally. After two weeks, a snap decision was made to dive to rescue the boys. Part of the reason for this is that the rain had let up a little bit. I think that means it would be easier for them to get in. But also that locals knew that around July 10th, every year, the cave system would be completely flooded. Wow. Without air pockets. They just had to mobilize. Yeah, they had to get going. This effort involved nearly 100 Thai and foreign divers. It's a lot of people in one cave. The divers would make their way for hours in dark, bone-chilling waters. At times, they had to maneuver through portions of the cave that were so narrow that they could only just fit their body through. Oh my goodness, this just sounds like a disaster. Have you ever been in a cave? Oh gosh, I don't think I have. And I'm not super claustrophobic, but I have to say it gives me the willies a little bit. Okay, just a little side story. But a couple years ago... Mom and I went to Iceland, and we went into a cave that was created by lava. It was essentially a lava tube. Uh huh. And what I was imagining was a cave system where it's open, kind of in a mountain, but this lava tube was in the ground. So it was literally just a freaking hole in the ground, and you crawl into it, and there are points in this cave where we had to be on our hands and knees, and you're in the ground. So it feels... <laughs> Like, everything could collapse on you at any second. And here I am with our mother, who's in her 60s and a champ and, you know, probably in better shape than a lot of people in their 60s. But <laughs> Was she freaked out at all by it or she was like, oh, this I don't, is fine? It was definitely not her cup of tea either. Just was not what we were expecting. And at the end of the cave, the piece what do they call it? The piece de resistance <laughs> is a mummified sheep carcass. Oh. It's because sheep can't see in the dark, and so it followed an animal that could see, like a cat or a dog. And the cat or the dog could get out of the cave, but the sheep could not, and it died. That is a terrible end. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I'm just imagining how cramped and awful. And then put another level on top, it's full of water. You're yeah. squeezing through space underwater. Horrifying. I was just thinking too about those kids and the coach and how it would be really easy to get delusional. Just kind of like we were talking about that ICU psychosis. What was the other one that we were talking about that was similar? Yeah, just from the isolation. Isolation. But this. Lack of stimulation. Yeah, you can't see. Yeah. You're in this confined space. I'm going to have to show you some pictures here in a second. But essentially, a pulley system was devised throughout the cave. Each boy was placed in this cylinder, which to me looks like a cross between a body bag and a duffel bag. Mm-hmm. That sounds really inviting. Yeah. Was it insulated? Mm, I'll send you a picture and you can tell me what you think. It looks it looks like a duffel bag, but like child-sized. Yeah. So if you wanted to sedate your kid and bring them as a carry-on on your flight, it <laughs> might be a good way to go. Yeah, it, it might be a, a more enjoyable trip. Okay, I just sent you the picture of what this looks like, and you can uh, explain it to our listeners. 
It's hard to really, it looks like the top is completely open. It is. And then it's suspended by basically webbing, which is hooked to a carabiner. And the carabiner is hooked to some rope hooked to another carabiner hooked to the pulley. Yes. But it doesn't, definitely doesn't look like, I mean, it looks like you're going to be submerged fully in the water. It's not like this thing is going to be keeping you dry or warm. Yeah, so these kids were given a mask, and they, of course, were on oxygen. There are several different ways that they were transported through the caves. So part of the cave, they would be transported by the divers. So the divers are, like, holding on to this duffel bag slash body bag contraption Mm -hmm. and swimming with them. And then there would be these points where it's almost too small to let a person through. So they would have to get the oxygen tank through the tight space and then the diver, but don't let go of the kid behind you. Oh gosh. And then there were these areas where they kind of slid them along the contraptions and the duffel bag like thing. And then there was the pulley system. So the pulley system, they attached like the straps of the duffel bag to the carabiner, like Casey was saying and attaching it to winch up the cave. It was terrifying. The boys and the coach were given anti-anxiety medication, but it may be more accurate to say that they were heavily sedated. Well, I thought they gave them ketamine. And ketamine is a medicine that they use in the emergency department for conscious sedation. None of these articles said that explicitly. So it said it was anti-anxiety medication is what was officially put out. Okay. <laughs> by by the government. That's and then, very specific. Yeah, exactly. And then people on the scene were like, but they were heavily sedated. So none of these sources said exactly what they were on. But in any case, they did not panic and ruin anything. They were on something that calmed them down. Yeah. Well, in going through some of those narrow channels, you'd almost have to. Oh, yeah. Just thinking about it. just makes me feel so awful (laughs) you should see some of these pictures and guys there's a little documentary on youtube it's about 50 minutes you can watch and you can see parts of this rescue and it's really scary stuff and the water flow in these caves oh man might give you nightmares i think if i was the one being rescued i would have confidence and faith in the people getting me out but if i was on the other side of it and i was trying to rescue other people's kids Like, Mm -hmm. the stakes are really high. If something goes wrong, you have to live with that forever. Mm -hmm. I guess it's a good thing that there are so many people involved. In some rocky areas, the boys were passed hand-to-hand, like a relay race. Like, they're just passing them along on this pulley system. And there are rescuers situated halfway through to help replace air tanks and help guide the divers through as they continued out. The rescue wasn't just a one-day thing. It took a lot of time, and part of that is because they had to replenish the air tanks. And by the time the last boy was rescued, the water levels were rising again, and it was reported as quickly as 30 centimeters an hour. Can you imagine being that last kid? They probably did a couple. Of, I'm sure they didn't leave, like, one kid. I hope they didn't leave them all by himself. <laughs> if anything, it was the coach. Oh, my gosh. I hope somebody didn't leave somebody, the kid in there by themselves. That would be the most terrifying experience. Like, I hope somebody comes back for me. Hey, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Don't leave me. Oh, my gosh. So one of the generals from the 3rd Army region 
was quoted saying, the most important piece of the rescue was good luck. So many things could have gone wrong, but somehow we managed to get the boys out. I still can't believe it worked. The boys were taken to the hospital, but they weren't allowed to see their parents at first. The government had said it was necessary to quarantine the boys to protect themselves and others from infection. What do you think about that? I don't know. I mean, I'm trying to think of what kind of infectious. That's what I was curious about as well. I mean, I'm trying to think, is it Legionella? So yeah, Tessa, it's a Legionnaire's disease, and it's a severe form of pneumonia that develops when somebody breathes in that Legionella bacteria into their lungs. And so it can uh, multiply out of control in lakes, rivers, and freshwater sources where the temperature is between 68 and 113 degrees Fahrenheit. So that's my guess as to what it was. And it could be spread? It can be spread probably from coughing and whatnot if you were to contract it. But if it's that prominent in the water, then, you know, probably all the boys could have had it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Okay. Yeah, I was just curious because the article didn't specifically go into that. That's just my guess. I just know that that is something that you can get from contaminated water sources. Well, and this says the boys had minor lung and eye infections, so... It follows if that Legionnaires affects your lungs. That's probably what it was. That's probably what they were mostly worried about because yeah. it's, you can get really sick with that. But other than that, they were good other than having to gain weight. They also had to wear sunglasses for a while because their eyes were definitely not used to the light after being in the dark for two weeks. Yeah, your pupils are probably just enormous. Yeah. So that's basically the end of their story. I thought it was interesting because one of the fathers was quoted saying after they came out of the cave, it's like they have died and have now been reborn. What did you say that the name of the cave was too? In the, the, the English translation. Great cave of the sleeping lady. The sleeping lady had 13 soccer babies. <laughs> uh, football. <laughs> football. If you're in the UK. Yeah, it's symbolic in a whole new way now. In any case, I think it's fun that so many of these stories have crossovers because it's like Harrison O'Keen or O'Kenna mm-hmm. who mentioned something about rebirth. Oh, you know, I didn't even remember that. Yeah, or we talked about it, like coming out was oh, like yeah. a whole, yeah, it was a whole new person almost after yeah. that experience. So very similar. A year later, the boys returned to the cave and took part in a Buddhist ceremony to honor the anniversary of the ordeal with their religion. They also were honoring the diver who lost his life. The youngest of the group, who was 12, said that he now has to tell his parents where he's going every time he leaves the house. (laughs) As he should. Yeah. (laughs) What were you doing before? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Things might be different there than they are here, but... He said, I already told my mom I was coming to this event. He joked. My life has changed a lot now because many people recognize me. (laughs) (laughs) He's got a huge social media following. Oh, I follow him. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I would be a little bit nervous about being like, yeah, go back into the cave for the ceremony. I mean, I'm sure they weren't going in as far. They did not go. I think that was just outside of it. Yeah. Many of the children want to be professional soccer players. Or 
Thai Navy SEALs, one oh. or the other. Okay. Well, at least they've narrowed it down quite a lot, more than I had at that age for sure. Yeah. You got to figure out what you want. So what do you do when you're trapped underground, Casey? Well, first of all, I guess don't panic, which would be the mm-hmm. hardest thing not to do. That's important. Don't breathe rapidly and consume all of your oxygen too quickly. Take some advice from a former monk and meditate. I just looked up some cave survival tips. The number one, if you're trapped underground, is to find the highest point in the cave. That's the first thing that these boys did, so they're already on a good path. It has to do with flooding, especially. Oh, okay. And to determine the highest point, you'll look for mud, leaves, and wet slime on walls. So you can see where the water line is in the cave. Okay. That's pretty cool. I wouldn't think about that. So if you're ever in a cave and you're wondering where the highest point is, if it accidentally floods, go past there. (laughs) Okay. Number two is uh, keep warm. The number one major risk in a cave, as you might guess, is hypothermia. Yeah. So this article said, wring out your clothes to keep them dry and huddle for warmth. That was like the first thing these boys did is make a space where they could huddle for warmth. Did you ever find out what the temperature was in the cave when they were down there? I didn't write it down, but they said just from being in Thailand that it wasn't particularly cold. Yeah, thank goodness for that, because it's humid, I'm sure. If they had been in the water itself, then it would have been a problem, but out of the water, they were fine. Yeah. Keep hydrated is a big thing, and if you're in a cave, be aware of dirty water. Most cave water isn't dangerous, this article says, but... It may upset tummies. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds professional, don't you think? (laughs) It really does. Very sound advice. But it's basically saying that if you drink bad water and you're throwing up, then it defeats the purpose. So yeah, these boys were like licking the limestone walls to get the water that was coming from the ceiling. I got to say, it sounds better than drinking water out of a mud puddle in the desert. Or your own urine. Yeah. Here's just some general advice. Get the right information, get the right kit, and go with someone who knows the cave. This is the only thing that they didn't do right, is they didn't go at the right time. I think, you know, they knew better in some regard. You know, they're locals. They know that it's kind of like the time where it's pushing it. I think they're just so confident. I guess also when you have experience, you know, you hear about people that are caught in avalanches who have an extreme amount of avalanche knowledge, Mm -hmm. and you almost develop sort of a... I don't know. Uh, just too much confidence, I guess. Mm-hmm. Especially with how far these boys, it sounded like they were going pretty far in the cave system. So mm-hmm. they knew where they were. I'm sure that they thought that they could get out of there pretty quickly. Yeah. And they had headlamps, you said. you mentioned They had they flashlights. Had, or they had flashlights. Yeah. I don't know how long they lasted. It didn't mention it. But I assume by the time that the divers got in there. Because they had been in the cave for like nine days by the time the divers got there. I mean, crazy. this kind of goes back to any of these stories, but if you have the opportunity to bring some high calorie food, water, and some Cliff layer bar, of sponsor clothing, us. <laughs> you know, like a puffy jacket or some, Patagonia sponsor <laughs> some form of, you know, like some way to keep warm. I don't know. Matches in the setting probably wouldn't be very helpful because there's nothing so to light on wet fire. and moist. Yeah, but definitely. Um, a down blanket, you know, what would be really helpful in this setting would be those, um, sleeping bags that you can wear. Wearable sleeping bags. 
They're so versatile. Totally. Probably waterproof, too. You could swim in it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, you're like a seal. <laughs> it actually creates, like, a fin, so you can be more... Oh, what's aerodynamic when you're in the water? <laughs> I don't think you need to be aerodynamic. In the Hydrodynamic. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so plugging all these products. Don't buy them, though, because we're not sponsored yet, guys. We're waiting for the right one. Well, if you've enjoyed us as we've enjoyed you, please tell a friend about us. Write us a review. Email us. What's our email again? The we- Crux Survival. At Gmail. Tell us what you want to hear about. Tell us if you're having a good day. Tell us if you had an experience that you survived. Tell us if you had a bad day. (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully we're not part of that bad day experience. Yeah, in that case, don't share. Yeah, please don't. No, just (laughs) teasing. Okay, well, thanks for joining us. See you next week. Don't die. Have a good one. (laughs)